0: All right. That sounded like it was it Sound there was a second pause. Yeah,
1: that's the way
2: it works. Just go. Okay. Internet lag.
1: That's because you're in Iowa. and Yeah. You're in the I- Iowa things.
0: Recorded live at Talks and Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. Uh, from the Talks and Tasting Studios, I'm Bullhagen.
3: I'm Kilgo. (laughs) And I'm Vicar.
0: And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. So we have a new pastor here. Uh, Pastor Kilgo, tell us about yourself. Uh, Berg is out of town, so we have someone else out of town joining us today.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely the poor man replacement for Berg. So, um, (laughs) So I'm Pastor Kilgo. I serve at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. I've been here for about six months. And previously, I was up at the Northeast Kansas Partnership, which is four churches in Northeast Kansas, interestingly enough. And uh, I was there for four and a half years uh, prior to coming down here. So I just celebrated five years in the office.
0: Oh, congratulations.
1: So thank you. And then I've got a wife and a couple of kids and a couple of dogs. So you,
0: were you about – you were graduated after after um, Berg?
1: Yes. Yes. So when we started, he was one class ahead of me, but I'm dumb. And so I stayed at the seminary longer and okay. um, I, I was there for six years, actually. Uh, so I did five years for my MDiv, various reasons for that. And then I stayed on as a graduate assistant uh, for STM mm-hmm. as a graduate assistant for the historical and systematic departments. So and, so uh, you
0: probably got to know some of my vicars then, like yeah. uh, Michael Carney.
1: Yes, I know Michael Carney. Plays uh, the trumpet.
0: Uh, Nathan Schieber?
1: Yep, I know Nathan.
0: So Kilgore, that's an interesting name.
1: Yeah, so... You know, if uh,
0: if you say your name over and over again, it sounds like you're commanding someone to break the fifth commandment.
1: It's kind of like Beetlejuice, actually. You, you say it enough times, and I just appear. Right. Um, so <laughs> it actually used to be Kilgore. And that's a much more familiar name for people. And what happened at some point in the family history, there was a guy that was a horse thief, and so they disowned him from the rest of the family of that kind of immediate family by everybody else dropped the R E off their name. So they were like, you know, we're not Kilgores, like that horse thief over there, we're right. So hence Kilgo. Um so if you ever meet another Kilgo, they are yeah. very, very likely related to me, but like there's not very many of us. So you probably won't meet any.
0: It sounds like uh a, like a, a warrior of some sort, you know? It does Kilgo, it does. Kilgo of the Western Plains. It does it's uh, a yeah.
1: it's a great name for a pastor too
3: what's
0: the heritage
1: uh Irish Irish yeah Kilgore is is a uh, uh, Irish background so, so I've, ha, I've ha, got I've got some German in my background too that was the boss family so if you're so I've got if boss you know, and Kilgo in in my background so boss Kilgo
0: so listener if it if sounds like we're getting to know him we actually are getting to know him because <laughs> uh, you know Peter better you know, you know us, know right?
1: Peter better than I know you guys. I've met you once. I've never met the vicar, uh, but that's okay because he's just a vicar. Yeah, and uh, I'm a temp. Um, Peter's been uh, coming to Bible study with us over
0: here, so it's been great having him, uh, getting to know him a little bit. So uh, I have a question about my son Peter in, in Bible class. Yes. How many of his questions are serious? Uh, and how about many?
1: Thirty percent.
0: Thirty percent are that's serious. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So what do you what do you have there to drink? Uh,
1: I have coffee to drink uh, because uh, I because uh, I've got just a ton of stuff. I I just finished Bible study before coming up here to chat with you guys, and um, I was up late working on uh, pumpkin etching because I oh forgot, as as we we all were forgot. yeah I forgot that tomorrow is the festival of the Reformation somehow. And uh, getting ready for preaching on the Reformation and Bible study and all that. So, And then we're going over to my cousin's house this afternoon because I was dumb and scheduled that for the day before the Reformation. So, so this, this episode to to
2: comes out on the 7th, meaning this will come out a full week after... Reformation Day. That's right. And I'm not going to be there, and I'm not partaking in your contest. So what in the world are your pumpkins about? Because you've been hyping your pumpkins <laughs> for weeks
1: That's true. Bible study. It's true. My pumpkins are awesome. Uh, so what I do is I do pumpkin etching. Um, and that is, so you don't, if you've ever seen these, you don't actually carve all the way through. You just kind of peel layers off the front of it. And you can make pretty awesome designs with this. So the one I'm working on right now is Luther's Rose. That's the really detailed one. It's got the M and L up on the sides. And uh, when it's done, it looks like just kind of a, a shadow image of uh, Luther's rose um, just kind of glowing on the pumpkin. One, one of the things that's nice about this is because you're not cutting all the way through, you don't have to have everything connected. So the cross that's in the middle of the heart, for example, just stands by itself. Um, hmm. You've got the concentric circles that are around for the for the rings that, that you can actually cut the rings. Um and so you can get a lot of detail in it you don't have to worry about accidentally cutting through something you can actually get the detail of the petals and this sort of stuff but it it takes forever to do because you're just you're just kind of shipping array i've got like a special set of tools that i use for this uh and i've done some other ones i did the holy family one year um i did uh the uh passion of christ one year um so I'm I'm trying to decide what I might do for the second pumpkin, and that's going to very much depend on how much time I've got left after I finish the first one. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> well, if you have a way of saving these permanently, you can develop a whole Lutheran shrine that people I could can travel all the all over the world to see pilgrimage. Yeah, the killed uh, pumpkins.
1: I, I actually have uh templates for like the burning of the papal bull, and uh, okay. the hammering of the 95 theses. Um, I didn't get started early enough this year to do that, but I'm thinking like maybe next year I might do a series of like. Uh, four pumpkins. It's got like the nailing of the theses and the burning of the papal Bowl and um, the uh, um, the diet of worms is one of them. Uh, so there's some pretty cool stuff that you can do with it. So I might do a like a Lutheran series one year.
2: We'll see. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting you. So what are you what are you uh, sipping on in the studio there?
0: Uh, me, I, I have a uh, it's called it's a sugar free Red Thunder from the the clerical airs fridge. It's uh, the Aldi version of Red Bull. Because uh, Vicar I'm, and I, so at 11 o'clock, are scheduled to hit the Freak Factory, and so we got to be got to be ready to go. And Vicar should. looks like he's got some Gatorade.
3: Yeah, I've, I've got a Gatorade and also a coffee, so I'm going to double fist it. Uh, All right. I expect to see you drinking them simultaneously. I'm going to. Okay.
1: Yeah, my
0: m- one one thing interesting about my morning, my calves are a little sore. Um, I've been working out my calves, Peter. And uh, um, you know, I've been kind of walking around flexing my calves. You know, try to impress my wife. And uh, she has yet to be impressed with my calves. So I've been really hitting that. I just want massive calves to impress my wife, and it hasn't been working. So I really worked them out yesterday just to get these massive calves for. Her you know, for my wife. So you've got Arnold you guys Schwarzenegger have, calves. Yeah. Mailman calves. That's kind of what I'm going for. You guys any well, have do, any advice for me? Try well, try
1: wearing heels. Maybe that'll show them off. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know the story of Arnold Schwarzenegger with this? No. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, notoriously did not have, uh, calves. Like when he was doing his, uh, when he was in his bodybuilding days and doing the competitions and all of a sudden one year, like, he's got these massive calves, and there's there's a lot of people who think that he got calf implants. So, you could do that. Hmm. And then you put, like, a little valve on them, and just kind of like, you know, the, the old shoe pump things. The, uh-huh. And you can pump right. up your calves whenever you need to impress your wife, and then other times, when it doesn't matter, you can deflate them.
0: But that's the thing. Like, if I say, I'd have to, to for that to work, I'd have to secretly get calf implants without her knowing, like... Maybe say, yeah, I've got a continuing ed thing in Wyoming, you know, and come back with massive calves. And oh, there's just a lot of walking, apparently. Yeah. So I'd have to then try to hide the 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 bills from the the calf surgery, and I probably could only afford one at a time. So I'd have to get like one massive calf, and then you know wait a couple like, a year, and then and then have the other one get big. And I'm not sure walking around. With one massive calf will really impress my wife. So I'm I'm quite a, in a conundrum here. That sounds like it,
1: Vicker. <laughs> Realistically, that, that, that's yeah. their job this year is figure out how to get bull hugging calves.
0: I mean, they're decent, right? You've seen a Vicker. Yeah, you work on them. They're decent, but you know, I was just wandering around the house, you know, doing my calf flex, and she just crochets or watches TV, and I'm putting all this work, and she does not. So if they're just I got to make my calves so that you just cannot ignore them when I walk. I was going to say, room.
2: so realistically, how big do they have to be before you think she'll notice? Because I think they have to be like
0: abnormally large. Right. They need
2: to be like, you have to have softballs attached to your legs.
0: Right. Otherwise, she's not going to realize. But then the problem with that is, I, and then I'm known as like Pastor Bulligan. Who is, which pastor is that? The calves? Oh, yeah, him. <laughs> do I want to be that guy? Cavs calves McGee. <laughs> so. Hey, we should talk about the text. <laughs> yeah, I suppose
2: this is technically a Christian podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're, but we're getting to know each other, you know? It's, it's theology know. of
2: the body stuff.
0: That's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, by the end of the show, we'll be all excited. We'll be chanting, kill, go, kill, go, kill, go, go, kill, go, kill.
1: That's right. That's that's what naturally happens is that the words just get reversed all of a sudden. And <laughs> then, then then you have just mass
0: chaos. Wow. Well, you are, you are the... Uh, the warrior from the, the Western Plains, so. That's true. Not that West, though.
1: The the Central Plains. Warrior from the Central Plains. Central Plains. There you All go. right.
0: So uh, we're preaching on, uh, I'm preaching on uh, All Saints Sunday, and you're doing the same. Yep. Baker, what's the what's gospel reading for that? It's
3: Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. So that's the uh, Sermon on the Mount, but the uh, Beatitudes. So why don't you read some of it for us? Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets
0: who were before you. So Kilgo um, how do you uh, when you think of All Saints there's a couple actual schools of thought when it comes to all Saint remembering all Saints. Mm-hmm. One is uh, the idea that well we've got so many saints that we commemorate we don't have enough time to commemorate all of them. And then there's kind of the idea of well, we kind of think of the saints from our own congregation, type of mm-hmm. a thing, right? And uh, that's kind of one of the kind of the angle we take here because we get through a lot of funerals, um, and I know sometimes people will have the co- remember the the saints from their own congregation on the, the last Sunday of their church year. Some do it on All Saints' Day. We do it on on All Saints' Day. But uh, is there a direction you generally go with that?
1: Yeah. So I. I like reading the names of the um, of the departed from the mm-hmm. past year on the on All Saints Day um, because it's certainly connected into this, right? And part of this is just understanding what a saint is, right? Um, and uh, what what I do is so I will read um, their name, um, the day they were born, the day they were baptized, the day they were called to glory, and then conclude it with alive in Christ forever, um, yep, that's kind that's, of the the formula, basically. For yeah, for yeah we'll we read
0: the name, ding the bell, so-and-so was born on, uh, uh, baptized in Christ on, mm-hmm. and then they lived, I make the secretary do the math, you know, 81 years, <laughs> 7 months, and 33 days on this earth, and are alive in Christ forever. Right,
1: so, right. Yeah, and it's nice because it gives a— Uh, a historical grounding. Like this was an actual person who lived and breathed and the Lord did uh, his work through. And, and this is part of being a saint, right? Um, So I I actually, so you mentioned the two things, one of kind of the combining of the commemorations of all the others and also recognizing uh, those of our own congregation. And I do think that's helpful to draw those together, right? Because historically Mm -hmm. all saints day comes to us in the, uh, in the church's festival by Combined like you you just started running out of enough days in in the early church as it was going on and they pick a day to celebrate all the saints who have gone in glory. And then there are certain ones throughout the year that we celebrate separately, like the apostles and the prophets and this sort of stuff,
0: right? Right. Um there should be some ceremony where you move from all saints day to having your your own day.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Who gets
0: aside that? Who you 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 probably know Bird. this. Gilgo. go who, who gets who gets to decide what day when you get a day and what day that is.
1: Uh, so usually, um, the day that your um the the festival for a saint is commemorated on is the day of their death, if we know it. Um, so the uh, because you're commemorating the day in which they're called to glory. So it's it's the same sort of thing that we're kind of doing broadly on All Saints Day. So, so vicar,
0: don't don't die on Christmas because no one will remember to celebrate you okay yeah yeah um you'll just be 18 and forever just like a a number floating around that would be That's on right. my gravestone 18.0 <laughs> yeah That's should we right. put the you know we should offer peter our, our logo as to uh some maybe the monument companies if people did want to put our logo on their their gravestone we well, yeah, you know we can i think better than that we just wait so when
2: this podcast does eventually die, we can make a gravestone for the podcast. <laughs> there you go,
1: planted in the churchyard. Right. Uh, speaking of gravestones, did you guys know that there was recently a ruling that you can because there there actually is like regulations on what you can and can't put um, as far as symbology on gravestones, but there was recently a ruling that allowed for Luther's rose to be one of those religious symbols. So, hmm. so that's a thing now. Hmm. So if you, well, we've if got some in ours. I think for,
0: I think we've got some in ours that have Luther. Rose, I haven't um,
1: seen it yet. Do do you do you have a private seminer, uh, cemetery? Yeah, we do. Okay, I think that's that's the difference. Is if it's a public cemetery, um, there's regulations on what can and can't be on the gravestones for religious symbols, especially in um, uh, military.
0: Uh, oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. so
1: there's certain things that they approve. Like if you're getting buried at Arlington, for example, uh, you can have the, the cross, you can have the Star of David. Um, Etc. And now one is the is Luther's rose.
0: So they should you know maybe they're doing this already. They should do a, a QR code. This is a million dollar idea. a QR code that you put on the, the gravestone. So like I wonder who this is, and you just scan the QR code, and it comes to like a website and like a YouTube video.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, which works until you get like weathering or moss or something in there that changes the QR code, and now Grandma becomes like you know some random dude from Russia or something like that, right?
2: Or it's just a Rickroll
1: or it's a rick roll right. yeah
0: or what if it better. what if it went directly to the clerical airs website
1: that's <laughs> dead and defunct at that point <laughs> listeners
0: we're calling upon to, you. i'm sorry i'm, I'm rambling okay. let's it's talk about the text least, the text the blessed the text yes so um for me when you look at the beatitudes they are you know you could say is it law or the gospel I just say it's a description of the saints. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily telling us to be these things, but it describes the life of the baptized. Mm-hmm. That, that when I'm so it's not like okay, be merciful so that you can be shown mercy. It is blessed are those who are kind of like Lord. When were we hungry and you f- we fed you? Mm-hmm. To me, it just a, it's a description of what the the life of the baptized looks like here on earth. Right. So, so a good way to, to think about it is this: is when you think of the saints, and uh, I think uh, the hymn "Behold the Host of Raiden White" kind of describes it here. Um, on earth, these saints looked hungry, poor in spirit, merciful, um, uh, even killed, often for their saints for their faith. And they looked weak; they didn't look very look very powerful but you see them in the eyes of Christ and salvation, they are the ones who are blessed. So it's a really a strong theology of the cross where, you know, on the one hand, they they, looks, they don't look very powerful. They're easy to oppress, uh, just like the prophets. But yet, if you look that for, at them from the eyes of, of, of God and Christ and salvation— They are truly blessed. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will be comforted. Um, And so I don't like to make it, because people can look at this in a a works righteousness kind of way. Mm -hmm. These are the things that you have to do to become blessed. But to me, it's more of a description of faith. What do these saints look like here on earth? How do they look according to the eyes of heaven?
1: Yeah, so um, this is this the the old Sunday school poster thing that has, like, a bee flying along, right? It says, bee attitudes, right? And it just, like, tells you, you know, uh, be merciful. And, you know, it, it never says, be hungry, right? It's not right. right. Uh, but it just, it kind of gives this, like, you know, here are these things that you need to do. Um, and it drives me nuts, too, because it's just... just really bad linguistic thing where we take the English word and we use that word to describe the thing instead of looking at what's actually what the actual words are um and and what it like you said what it means to be blessed now I I don't know if you know this uh uh Volhagen I'm kind of curious if the vicar does though so I'm I'm gonna put the vicar on the spot here on why they're called the beatitudes
3: no I don't actually
1: um So this is actually just named, so normally we name uh, the sections uh, for the thing that's coming in the text afterwards, right? So you've got salt and light is the title Mm of the next section, right? Um, So in in Latin, the text, instead of makarioi, which is the the Greek, it's uh, beati. So beati is the the Latin for uh, blessed one, right? So they're the uh, beati, 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 beati is the the text and so they're the beatitudes right the the collection of beatitudes so that's why they're called the beatitudes um and i think that helps because it just pulls it out of the like this is not an attitude yeah that you have be, to this be. attitude right, right it's it's actually this is just a latin word right so stop doing weird dumb language things stop stop yeah don't do that, the language right Another Vicar one for the list come on vicar i'm just gonna blame this on you I haven't had a vicar around in a while to, to blame for things, so I've got to get it out of my system.
2: I would yeah, I would this is this is a common th- thing. <laughs> this is not just a uh, a clerical errors podcast thing. Everybody does this, right? It's not just us. It's a right of it's passage. It's therapeutic though, isn't it, to have
3: a whipping boy? Yeah, it, it's it
0: nice. Actually, I was going through some adult catechesis with someone and uh um and uh we have a very willing learner, but she loves it. Loves it. When I say, I was talking about Jesus being God and man, and Jesus was a was a man just like me, he was human just like you, and then even like Vicar, and, and for some reason that just got her funny bone. Yeah. We all
3: have our crosses to bear.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you,
1: you mentioned this, but there, so Luther has this really, really helpful framework that we just kind of don't know about. In theory, I'm going to be writing a thesis on this, but we'll see if that ever happens. Um, and that is the eyes of faith. So,
0: just to minute, my phone's ringing for some reason.
1: Come on, Bullhagen. I I expect this from the vicar, <laughs> but not from you.
0: I'm sorry. So Your point about the attitudes Martin Luther
1: and Luther and the eyes of faith. So it's important because you're right.
0: It's important. That, I know because you're writing a dissertation, perhaps on this. So yeah. Well, it's also
1: important because it deals with the Bible.
0: Um, sure, sure. <laughs> By the way, have so, you heard my uh, my uh Shut effects? up and let him talk, please.
2: <laughs> please.
1: <laughs> so well, Luther has this thing that he talks about called the eyes of faith, where he, he makes this distinguishment between how things look uh, either externally or uses this framework called the, the mortal eye um, and the way thing, we see things by faith or what he sometimes calls like the spiritual eye. And so he makes this distinction, for example, in his baptismal hymn, uh, yeah to Jordan came the Christ our Lord, all that the mortal eye beholds is waters we pour it before the eye of faith unfolds the power of Jesus merit for here it sees the crimson flood, et cetera et cetera et cetera so uh what's happening here is that that exact thing right so what Jesus is saying is that the poor in spirit are blessed even though they don't look like they're blessed because the reality of the poor in spirit is that they have the kingdom of heaven right that it's it's it's, it's an actual reality that's already theirs right mm-hmm. um Uh, And you can only see that by faith, right? You can only see that uh, specifically, and what's nice with Luther is that he's always connecting this um, back to God's Word. So the reason why by faith I know this thing is because God's Word has actually told me this thing. So why is it that I, you know, talking about your wife, um, why is it that my wife looks at me and I look at her as, um, as our own flesh, right? Well, because God has told me this is flesh of my flesh, right? Uh, So, so I know based on what God's word has told me about my wife, that she is in fact my flesh, right? That we are one Mm -hmm. flesh together. Um, I don't know that by looking at her because I look at her and I see a a physically separate body from me, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So same thing here. You know, I don't, I don't look at someone who's, um, who's hungering and thirsting for righteousness, right? right? And I don't externally see someone who is satisfied, Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see someone who's being persecuted, um, and see someone who has the kingdom of heaven, right? Um, yeah, that cetera, and that's essentially,
0: right. essentially then the inverse Jesus does all the time. For example, right. Uh, how, when you look, you, the hymn that you mentioned talked about the baptism of Jesus. What does that the baptism of Jesus show? It shows what what goes on from a spiritual eye in an actual baptism. You mm-hmm. baptize a child. What happens? Heavens open. God declares, right. this is my child, uh, the name of the Trinity uh, is given, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all those mm-hmm. things that you see in Jesus' baptism, uh, he gives us a visual of what happens through an ordinary baptism, although we only see you the, know, water. the water and the, the child, or the adult. But uh, but uh, the baptism gives us a—the the account of Jesus' own baptism gives us a glimpse of what really goes on, kind of like another example The would be Transfiguration, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, the disciples, with their ordinary eye, ordinary eye, can't understand, have trouble understanding Jesus, particularly at that moment, that he was going to suffer and die. Um, but yet, on Transfiguration, Jesus shows Peter, James, and John just a glimpse of, of what the spiritual actually sees, right, that he is right. the Son of God, uh, that, uh, that Moses and Elijah pointed to as well. Um and so so yeah, it's it's living and living in faith then is is being holding to the that spiritual eye, so to speak, as an even greater reality.
1: Yeah, and, it, and so, it's a playing out. It's an actual putting into practice, so to speak, of the um, St. Paul's statement that we walk by faith and not by sight, right? So, mm-hmm. so this is one of these things like we know that passage, but I don't think we actually know what it means half the time. Right. It becomes just a general spiritual right. uh, saying. It
0: becomes like, let's uh, try and build a building even though we have no idea how we're going to pay for it and live by faith, knowing that somehow God will provide for all the material and we'll wind up having enough money to build this thing. That's right. not really what's That's this not is walking by about. faith.
1: Right. Because, right. and, and Luther's point in this and why I think that it's a really, really helpful framework is that the eye of faith is always bound to the ear. Right. So, so he'll talk about how, um, how the Christian sees with his ears, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I know that I'm blessed, regardless of what sort of physical circumstances I'm in in this life, because Jesus has told me that I'm blessed, right? My, my I'm seeing with my ears, not with my physical eyes. And that seeing with my ears then informs how I see the stuff around me, so that I can walk into the church and I see a baptismal font there, and I see the altar there, and I see the pulpit and the lectern. And I see these things as, um, as some of the most beautiful things in the world, because I know what what God has said comes from these, right? That mm-hmm. here is what is proclaimed and preached. Here He gives me His body and blood. Here He has washed me, et cetera. So, uh, and, and same another, thing with these beatitudes.
0: And another thing about that, it's kind of interesting. Then, in in uh, in our churches, then. We should, though, give some clue in, you know, help that eye of faith to see. Mm -hmm. For example, um, it it took, had a few, a little bit of growing pains, but uh, we're talking about All Saints Day. um, About 15 years, I've been here about 20 years. About 15 years ago, we started using a funeral pall, which was kind of new to them. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, it's a kind of a visual reminder that of what the eye of faith sees in this body covered in Christ. Being rising again, uh, and the fact that you know we use it with everyone, so there's a commonality with the brothers and sisters in Christ who kind of wear the same gown for their funeral, um, a visual reminder of of what the eyes of faith see, and that's something that children understand when they're little. They understand the bowing that this is special and all those things. You're helping along the eye of faith to to make connections so they can actually start to visualize the truth that uh, of of what uh, they're seeing. That's why artwork is so very important, having beauty within the sanctuary, right to reinforce right. that because because uh, the sacraments are there to do just that. Well, how do I know I'm forgiven? Well, you did you feed on Christ's body and blood? It's simple, yes, but the earthly element is very important in helping that eye of faith see in a real physical way. That combats that bats everything else. You know, someone mm-hmm. might feel that they're not forgiven at the Lord's Supper. They might feel like God is far from them. But what does Jesus promise, even as you're physically eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ? And so, um, so part of church then is is kind of bringing people along with that and and using all your senses, your ears, and all those things to to see with that eye of faith.
1: Right, and and this is um, even. You know that that language of um, uh, of how I feel about the thing. I'm trying to remember where it is. It's in First John um, that uh, if our if our conscience um, convicts us, um, God is greater than our conscience, right? Uh, mm-hmm. this, this sort of sort of deal, like God is greater than our feelings. So regardless of how we might feel at the moment, um, that God's word which is unchanging, always keeps telling us the same thing in order to inform our conscience mm-hmm. and inform our feelings, right? But our feelings and our conscience are pretty good at going astray into different areas. So, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I feel like God doesn't love me uh, because of whatever's going on in my life at the at the moment, you know, I can turn and I can look at what God actually says. And he says, you know, um, God loves
0: the world in this way, that he sent his only begotten son, right? Right um I, I was talking to exactly. someone who who came from a more of a pentecostal background and i asked her you know how do you know that you're saved and her answer was basically what i i feel that he's with me type of a thing and you know um her eyes were open. i think she really right. grabbed on to the gospel um i don't think she would mind us sharing this you know i don't think so but uh but uh, it was quite eye-opening, because then after she said that, I asked her, do you, do you feel often that God is mad at you, and or far from you, and yeah, <laughs> because just to what she was taught.
1: Um, right. Well, and this is like uh, um, Hebrews 12 or 13. Uh, this is there too, right? Um, uh, For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you, so we can confidently um uh so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, whom shall I fear what can man do to me right so that there's mm-hmm. uh, because of what God has said to us like it starts with God has said, I will not leave you forsake you And then our response to that is this confession um uh that uh you know I'm I'm not going to be afraid of the stuff that's around me because man ultimately can't do anything to me and, and God, what what God already declared his
0: love all right this is a, this is a good discussion so Vicar because we have this, what, what what people will think when they hear all this discussion is this. How would you answer this? They'd say, okay, so we have this eye of faith, and then we have the physical eye, what we see day to day. Right? Why does it have to be that way? Why doesn't God just show us all so there's no question? Why does he have to play this game of hiding himself in things like the Lord's Supper or baptism or a word? Why doesn't he just... Just show us. Give it to us all so we can just have all the questions answered. Because that's what people will think when they hear this.
3: Right. Well, he wants those who, who believe who haven't seen as well. Not just a, a shallow faith because you've seen the miracle. Mm-hmm. or.
0: Well, well, for example, the Pentecostal the will say, um, well, you have to see. You will see. I mean, you feel you have some sort uh, of—you know you're saved because you were baptized by the Holy Spirit, whether you encountered him with speaking in tongues, or you had a moment of enlightenment where the Holy Spirit came to you. Um, So they actually teach that. But I think part of it is, if God came to us in his full glory, you know—oh, look at that donut. Yeah,
1: I'm cheating. I'm not supposed to have this, but nobody listens to this anyway, so no one will know. Yeah,
3: no, no one will know.
0: So uh, people, you know, if they actually did see the glory of God, what would happen to them?
3: Well, some would hide too. Right. You know, they're they're they are condemned in their sin already. They know it.
0: Yeah, because we're sinners, uh, the the full presence of God would be would destroy us. We couldn't handle it. He has to come into us in these means that we can grasp hold of. You know, if people realized Berg mentioned not too long ago. Uh, if we realize what's happening in the, the Lord's Supper, our lives would be actually changed quite a bit. And uh, But at the same time, you know, if we saw what was happening on Sunday morning, <laughs> that would be pretty frightening as well. Right.
1: Well, so there's this, there's this other thing, too, that there is an assumption that uh, seeing is believing, right? And I think mm-hmm. that there's two really key texts on this. That, that fight against that thought. So one is the rich man and Lazarus, right? Where the the culmination of this is um, where the rich man is in torment and he asks, Lazar, uh, asks Abram to send Lazarus back to his brothers that they would believe. And he says, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And the rich man's answer is no, um, which is probably not the answer you want to give to that. And he says if they would see someone rise from the dead, they will believe. And the response to that, which is the response to this as well, this whole conversation, is if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they believe should someone rise from the dead, right? So that even having this miraculous thing like somebody coming back from the dead um, is not going to create faith if the words themselves won't create faith, right? And the reason mm-hmm. for that is that the words are actually a more sure, a more certain thing. And so this is the other text. This is Second uh, Peter Uh, one. And Peter is reflecting back on the uh, transfiguration. And he says, um, uh, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from the father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. So he's like, look, we saw this. It was pretty awesome. And the very next line, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark right. place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, right? So the, the, the scriptures are, in fact, more certain than standing in front of Jesus being transfigured, right?
0: Right, and um, that, that's exactly how jo- Jesus explained to John's disciples when John's disciples came, came to Jesus and said, are you the one or should we look for another? And mm-hmm. what Jesus says, tell them what you see— but and it was you know heal the blind or see their sight the poor have the good news preach to them all those things that you might say well he's pointing to his miracles when actuality he's pointing to what the prophets said Jesus would do right yeah, so he's it basically them to Isaiah right so basically he is telling them yes I am the one of which Isaiah says right um, pointing right. there not to just the miracles in of itself but the miracles that show that he is a fulfillment of what the prophets actually said. So he points right. their eyes to the Word of God, even though he talks even about the miracles. So,
3: I was thinking, too, about uh, when Jesus appeared to Thomas for the sake of his faith. Mm-hmm. But afterwards he says, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. hmm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm so that's that's referring back though isn't it to the right Old Testament prophets and and people
0: of faith and if there's anything the that uh, covid has taught us is people will always believe what they <laughs> want to believe and whatever whatever's helpful for them
1: right well and 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 so this this text actually in in John 20 is is helpful in connection with the beatitudes right because it's the same term there that Jesus used it's makarioi. Uh, Once again, um, so uh, who are the blessed ones? The blessed ones are not only the meek and merciful and like this is the reality of who the blessed ones are, um, but also the blessed ones are those who um, believe believe by hearing, right? Which is the Romans 10 point as well, right? That you ultimately, at the end of the day, cannot believe apart from hearing, right?
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Well, we should move on. At least get another segment in. Well,
2: before we continue, I do have a point of business. Um, Okay. We have a dedication. This episode is actually dedicated to Susan, our newest Patreon member.
0: Hello, Susan. You know what, Susan? Susan. Um, Hello. uh, I can say that today you are our favorite listener.
2: That's right.
1: And
0: uh, Blessed is Susan she is a patron right and what's interesting about a podcast is it goes along with our our, our uh you know she believes but she doesn't see us that's right <laughs> so
2: i asked her if there's anything she, she wanted us, us to talk about and uh she said thank you peter i'll leave the topic up to the experts please know i really enjoy the theological insight and humor it's a great combination of personalities i especially like when you pick on the vicar lol be blessed. I am by vicar, the vicar.
0: You're a doofus. I'm. I'm doing this for the sake of, of Susan.
3: Well, I'm just wondering if this is a Susan. No that one wants I know. to
0: hear you. <laughs> is that better, Susan? <laughs> Try something again. Say something.
3: What should I say?
1: <laughs> uh, nothing.
3: Yeah. Well, we, we whether it's the Susan, <laughs> I know or not. Thank
0: you. <laughs> All right. Well, so at your request, for the sake of the listener, we will continue to pile on the poor vicar. It as 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 someone said. Uh, Vicker doesn't even know what to say about this. <laughs> so, so uh,
2: Vicar, where can they get a hold of us if they uh, want to let us know about uh, how much they enjoy us picking on you, I guess. Well,
3: pastor's number is no, <laughs> they could email us at feedback at clerical They could find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clerical errors podcast or on Twitter at me, bro at Clerical Airs P P for podcast.
0: And by and the f- way, if you're not a Twitter fo- Twitter follower, we've got amazing com- uh, content on our t- <laughs> on our Twitter.
2: No. We don't. And and uh, if you want to if you want to have the next episode dedicated to you, you can go to our Patreon website. I believe it's patreoncom Claire's podcast. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and if you subscribe, I'll I will dedicate an episode to you you can be our favorite listener
0: so uh, do you have anything that uh any podcast that you're on or that you're doing that you would like is there anything
2: we can plug for you
1: for me uh yeah double-edged double-edged sword okay uh that's that's my podcast um and uh i'm working on getting it back up and running but uh, I usually put my sermon on there. Uh, daily devotions. I try and do a devotion uh, when the different uh, festivals and commemorations show up, right? So there's a whole bunch of these throughout the year, and so I try and have a little devotion for those. I also put our um, our readings and memory work for our confirmants up there, so
0: if people want to, you know,
1: follow along with that stuff throughout the year, they can, They're always welcome to do
0: that. Well, what I've noticed is it's it's always important to put your sermons on. Uh, and keep them up for a year so that lazy pastors a year later can can uh, use your sermon as a backdrop for the sermon that they're writing.
1: <laughs> Are we not supposed to do that? <laughs> that's, that's how they taught me to preach. Okay. Here, all right. Here here's here's all the all the uh, online sermons to go and look at and just copy paste those. And it's even better if you like copy paste different guys into the same sermon so like one paragraph, you're this guy, and the next paragraph, you're this guy, and it keeps the listeners on their, on their
0: feet, Kiss, on their toes. Yeah, ah. Although I have a, a my preaching style, that if I tried to preach someone else's sermon, people would know. I don't I think. Wouldn't you?
3: I would think they they would know. Yeah. 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 So what does Susan mean, Vicar? Well, it it seems to be a Hebrew name that means, uh, like, lily or graceful lily flower or. It's related to the the flower, lily of the valley, things like that. Oh. Lily rose.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful name, Susan. Thank you for listening to our show. That's getting cut. We should get some more content in. Yeah. I have a what it is, what it ain't, what it could be.
1: Peter, do something. Eh, good enough.
0: What is it? Who knows? We do. It's time for what it is, what it ain't, what it could be. Like I said, I don't follow directions, so... I'm pastor. All right. So what it is, it what it, so what what this segment does is, is I pick a topic and I basically explain what it is, and then I say what it ain't, some misunderstandings of it, and then what it could be, some points of how it can lead us and guide us in the future. Got it? Sure. Gilgo. All right. So uh, this one is on uh, the fourth commandment, which is vicar, honor. Your mother and father. Okay. Um, what well, You changed the order. Oh, yeah, it's kind yeah. of weird. You shall honor your father and mother. Yeah. A very matriarchal version. I Isn't like it? Yeah. That's like the Elka version. Oh, <laughs> honor your mother and your mother.
1: Well, do you, So do you know this? Um, at Valparaiso, if you go to Valparaiso and you look at like their donor uh, hall, all of their donors are listed as um, Mrs. and Mr. Hmm. Mrs. and Mr. last name. Every oh. single one of them,
3: hmm.
1: not Mr. and Mrs. It's it's a pretty obvious, intentional thing.
0: Hmm. So on the fourth commandment, now I particularly on this commandment, uh, I, I know there's lots of directions you can go on the fourth commandment. right? I'm, I'm kind of narrowing this down to talk about from the parental point of view, because obviously this commandment deals with all types of authority that God has placed over you like government, and all those things. And uh, I knew that in our current uh, context, that if I went with uh, that side of it, it would be about seven episodes. So this is particularly talking about the fourth commandment from uh, the parental point of view, sticking with uh, the father and the mother. Okay? You with me? I'm with you. What it is first thing I want to point out of what it is, it is the fact that it actually is a commandment. That's one of the things I like to say. Kind of like what I talked about, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy? Um, It is a commandment. We like to encourage people to come to church and say, hey, you know, how can we get you to come? Very rarely do we say, come to church because God commands you to. (laughs) Did you notice that sometimes? How can we encourage people to come to church, and we forget, yeah, oh, yeah, it's a commandment?
1: I, I just go out with a whip. That's what I oh. do. Oh.
0: Well, I mean, that's you my, are... That's the, my encouragement. You are the warrior of the Central Plains. That's right. You'll go. That's right. right. So, um, and so... Oh, it's not getting old yet, right? Right. <laughs> um, if you don't like your parents, uh, do it because it's a commandment. You know what I mean? I mean, right, right? We don't always, you know. Sometimes parents don't like their, their, uh, their kids don't always appreciate their parents. But this commandment says, because it is commandment, show love to your parents. It's a command. Right. Honor them. Even though you have trouble honoring them, honor them. Peter, the producer, for example, honors his parents, his father and his mother. I
2: thought All you right. were gonna start like yelling at me for not doing that. And I was, I was. I, I don't know what I was going to do.
0: Probably cut everything out. Jeez. That, that's right. I mean, I can't because either you'll cut it out or you'll play some like music behind me that just completely undoes a point I'm trying to make. <laughs> so my hands are tied. It's kind of like I have to, since you're the producer, you have to honor me as your father, but I have to honor you as the one of authority in the podcast. It's so very it's kind true. of a, kind of a interesting thing. All a right. Double-edged sword. Plug. So another thing, it is also a message to parents. So if you are God's representative in your home, that means also parents, uh, you should act and speak and deal with your children in an honorable way. You should remember that you are God's representative to teach and care for your children. So it is a double-edged sword. You should have a podcast, that name. Yeah, plug.
1: You you need you need a sound effect, some clanging swords or something like that. All time. right, oh, that I I got
0: that. that. I got that. I got you, man. Oh wait. Oh lord. I shouldn't. <laughs> double edge sword. Uh, double edged sword. No. Uh, double-edged sword. No, that worked. Uh, double edge sword. Just going about as well as expected. How about this? A double-edged sword. No, I don't, I don't have anything cool. Sorry. I have a lot to cut out this episode. This isn't my finest work, I'll be honest. <laughs> All right. Uh, Luther has a, an interesting comment on this. He says, Children should remember that however lowly, poor, frail, and strange their parents may be, nevertheless, they are the father and mother given by God. You
1: might say that Luther is encouraging us to look at our parents through the eyes of faith.
0: Correct. Correct. So that that it is also how you speak to them and of them. It also then has to do with how you deal with your parents in their state of when uh, they're elderly, like I am.
2: Mr. Cavs. Okay.
0: Yeah. Re- no matter how strange your father Cavs is— Another thing it is, and I, I find this interesting. Maybe Kilgo, you can talk about this. Is uh, in a way, it I think it's kind of a un, it's a good tie between the first table of the commandments and the second table of the commandments. Meaning, the 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 first commandment deals with how to love God. The second half deals with how to love your neighbor, and then and then kind of in between those you have. Uh, honor your father and mother, which are God's representatives in your home. So um, so I, I, I don't know if that's interesting to anybody else but me.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm going to drive a little bit deeper on that, um, and that is that the, the first commandment is teaching us how to love God, and the all the other commandments are teaching us what that looks like to love God. Right. That's why the summary comes right after the first commandment. So the mm-hmm. commandments 2 through 10 are a essentially an expounding on what does it mean to have no other gods. Um, and then the second table, then, is how do you love God in loving your neighbor, right? Because this is one of these things that shows up in the Old Testament where, uh, for example, uh, Joseph in Potiphar's house, uh, when his wife is coming up and putting the moose on Joseph, he says, um, you know, Potiphar has not withheld anything from the house except you because you're his wife, why would I therefore do this evil thing and sin against God, right? And mm-hmm. you're dealing like specifically with adultery and, a, and abuse of authority and all that sort of stuff in there, and it's ultimately a sin against God. David does this with Bathsheba in the 51st Psalm when he's commentating on the um, the sin with Bathsheba and is rebuked by the prophet Nathan. So, so I think this is one thing, is that all of these are ultimately, um, how do we not sin against God, right? And part of mm-hmm. that is that God has given you particular representatives of himself in this world, right? So that um, in particular, the mother and the father uh, are the Lord's representative to you in this life in order to not only bring about your life, but preserve it and protect it and guard it, um, to provide you with property, uh, to provide you with a good name, uh, to teach you to be content, right? So that everything, commandments five through 10, are then flowing out of the fourth in particular.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, and uh, it it flows naturally from all those things. Right. So the next point I have is uh, kind of a little bit kind of like that is the fact that uh, parents are uniquely designed uh, to care for their children, even above caring for themselves. And what got me thinking about this is even if when you think of nature, you know, uh, when are animals most dangerous? When they're little.
3: <laughs> or when are they most dangerous? Right. When they have young.
0: When they have young, right? right? When is a bear most dangerous?
3: When she has cubs.
0: When yeah, she Mama has cubs. Bear. Right. Or or uh, let's say um, uh, a, a wife is with child and there's a famine. The, the baby will actually draw the nutrients out of the mother's body for the sake of her child. So the, the, the child still grows and it is nourished and it kind of sucks all the nutrition out of mom so mm-hmm. mom will will suffer but the but the baby will will continue to be nourished and when you think about that natural aspect of this commandment that's why it comes with a blessing that it may go well with thee because mm-hmm. children are placed in the parent in the hands of a parents who who in, even by nature now some you know obviously it goes wrong all the time but Parents, really, are given the desire to care more for their children than they do for themselves. And, and that, that is a blessing for the children, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. being, being a parent is, um, by its very nature, a sacrificial thing, right? Um, right. I've, I've talked about this with, um, with some people in the past, that one of the best things that can be done in order to fight against selfishness is to have children. Because it is about impossible to be selfish and have children, right? Because you've got a kid that's there and is hungry and you need to feed the kid and they can't feed themselves and you have to stop what you are doing and give your life over in service to this other human being, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting is you, you look at that kind of externally and it it seems like it's maybe a burdensome thing, but you talk to people who are parents and I mean, yeah, it, it takes time, it takes energy, you get worn out, but it is one of the most joyful things uh, to experience mm-hmm. is having kids. Right. So even with the sacrifice that is involved in that, there is a wonderful blessing that the Lord gives both to child and parent uh, through that vocation, through that estate.
0: Yeah. In fact, uh, I think that's one thing that uh, that uh, Peter, my son, ribs me about all the time. Don't you like Uh, I'll say what? Like when you come over, I always make sure, oh, do you have food? Do you need anything on your way home? Or, I, you know, you say, you try and mock me by saying, I don't care. I just want everyone to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so my next point of what it is, uh, it helps children understand God through their parents. So, for example, Jesus teaches us to pray our Father, right? We teach our children to pray our Father. When when using that, it helps a child to understand who God is by having a positive father experience. Uh, I've actually talked to people who have told me maybe they had even an abusive father, and they say, I have trouble praying our father because my concept of father isn't good. And, you know, I have to explain, but yes, this is a true good father. But because the father and mother are God's representative, it does help them begin to understand the love and care that that we have for God, that his will is greater than our own, he disciplines us because he loves us um, and uh, all those things that we, we learn from being a child in a home with a father and a mother really then goes on to build a way of helping them understand their relationship with God and that includes things like forgiveness Anybody have any comments on that? No, I think that's good What it ain't the first thing I want to say about this commandment is, and what it ain't is, is, a, is I want to talk about school. School is not a replacement for parents. That is a, a grave confusion right now nowadays, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where, where schools think that it's their job to raise the children, about not just teach them, you know, math and science or history, you know, they've taken over the mind frame that we, in a sense, are the parents. We are the ones ultimately responsible for raising your children. And that's not what this commandment says, is it? No. It says nothing of school, but that's a kind of a battle going on right now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that that goes also with religious education within the church. Who is responsible to make sure your children are raised in the faith? Is it confirmation class? Or is it mom and dad? Now, it doesn't mean they don't use your church as a, as a tool in that, but ultimately it comes to the parent first. Right. You're looking something up there, Kilgo. Yeah, I was trying to find... So um,
1: Luther actually brings this up in the large catechism um, where he talks about how the headmaster is the extension of the father. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what, what teachers have... Um, according to the fourth commandment, is they have the extension of the parental authority. So you take the the authority in this home, this home, this home, this home, and you combine that into a single person in the teacher, the headmaster of a school. Uh, but what that means is that their authority is a derivation of the parental authority. So the authority is still that of the parent. It's just on loan. Right. Right um and that that's kind of the fundamental thing with this commandment it's it's not that there's an actual transfer of authority there's a loaning of authority but the authority always resides with the parent
0: there yeah there what it ain't is not a commandment about school there's no honor your school district <laughs> you know so uh but that i think that that one particularly is becoming a lot more evident uh is is a uh, school is kind of taking on uh, the idea that they have to be the parents um and the, we have to be the ones in charge of teaching morality to the children um you even see this with some of the the meal programs right we have to, we're in charge of even feeding your family school lunches throughout the summer um now it's meant to be a help but it, it does you know, and I understand that maybe some families have, may have trouble eating, and it is a very helpful thing to have during the summer. But it it kind of comes sometimes get to the point of you know we're in charge of feeding your children too. Uh, not only we're going to make sure they have lunch, but we're going to make sure they have breakfast, and uh, and part of that is maybe they're seeing that parents aren't doing their job, and there's a void that they feel like they have to fill. But the the commandment is about parents, who
3: like you said the. Teachers are an extension of the parents' authority by borrowing. Well, parents are the extension of mm-hmm. God's authority, but mm-hmm. it's still ultimately God's authority. Right.
0: Right. 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 Which and is actually, sin against
1: the parents is a sin against God. Right. Right.
0: Right. And I got, one thing Luther does talk about in this way, too, is, in a sense, when he looks at the uh, monasteries, he saw those also as trying to replace parents. Right. You know, you see Yeah, L- Luther sees the
1: monastery as a, a uh, sin against the fourth, fifth, and sixth commandments. Right, right. Um, so you want to know my my favorite uh, quote, uh, or my fa- So I, I give this as memory work for the confirmance. My favorite uh, text, memory work text on um, the fourth commandment is Proverbs thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be plucked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. It's great. There you it's go. Pretty vivid. It is. Well, and, and the nice thing is that it shows, like, the seriousness with which the Lord actually takes this. Like, he
3: threatens to have your eyes
1: plucked out and eaten well, by birds.
3: you know where that took me is the uh, the thief on the cross next to Jesus who mocked him, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and, right. and, and, and in Gibson's passion, he actually has the, out, the birds yeah. coming in attacking him, yeah. I'd also, uh,
1: the original Cinderella in Grimm's Fairy Tales, if you've read the original, this happens to both of the wicked stepsisters as they're proceeding in and out of the wedding, uh, the birds come and uh, poke out their eyes so that they're blind.
0: Yes, yes. Anyone who's a faithful listener to the show knows that I've probably read that, <laughs>
1: right? Oh, Pete? I, I, it, yep. th- this is this is me supplementing for Berg, bringing. That's in right. A, You're doing a, a fine job, by the way,
3: quotes. with all this extra information <laughs> for us. There
1: you go. I'd, I I, right. I am a poor man's Berg. So,
0: what it could be? The final section. It could be a way of navigating the whole. Discussion about schools in the church, right? Of of informing parents to not just let the schools raise your children, to take an active part in what your children are being taught, and not just handing it over to someone that is not you. So, using the fourth commandment could be a way of of discussing a lot of these issues that we see nowadays uh, with the families within your own congregation and with others about taking seriously the fourth commandment and, and the responsibility giving to parents first and foremost for their children. So pick a school that's an
3: extension of you if you're the parent.
0: Right. Not mm-hmm. And if you have the opportunity for that school to be an extension of directly in your home, you know, that could be an option. This, what also could be is a renewed way of looking at education from a biblical view. Uh, we have a lot of Lutheran schools as well, and uh, to uh, look at Lutheran education from this point of view, that it's not there to replace your parents, but also then to to help their parents, be servants right. to parents and teaching the faith, and encourage things like family discussions and devotions, and make the work not just something you do outside of the home, but have a way of bringing it into the home.
1: Right. Well, and, and that the... There's a connection with this between, or needs to be a connection. Another, what it should be is a connection between uh, the reflection of the mother and father in the home, and what that this is then spiritually, right? So that right, um, Augustine has this fantastic quote that um, he uh, who does not have the church as his mother cannot have God as his father, right? So that there is a a reflection, and Luther even talks about this. You've got the the fatherhood of the church Uh, but you've also got i think it's in the when he's in the third article the creed in the large catechism uh, he talks about how uh, the church is the mother that bears and begets all christians on earth so that there is this reflection of the home into the church which makes sense because the church is what it is fundamentally is a whole bunch of households gathered into a single household
0: of faith and uh what it is i got a couple last two then we got to finish up here it is a commandment that comes with a promise, which shows this is a commandment that God gives out of love. He loves mm-hmm. his children, and and he wants, you know, he wants his children be blessed. So, um, and then the last thing I have here, it is a way of remembering and helping those who do not have both parents. I think that's something we should always be thinking of as a church. You know, mm-hmm. if there are, if there are, for example. A place where there is not a father in a home to do what you can to help them. to Have someone from the church be a more of a fatherly figure to children, um, and something that uh, we should always be mindful of and helping and seeking to to continue to to lift up what God does through families and helping those who are in a situation where where they are struggling. Right. So that is all I have on my list right now, uh, and uh, thank you. Uh, Kilgill for joining us today. We what we do want to maybe have sometime. Uh, we have a uh, Hannah is working on us doing a live episode. Um, she is uh goes to a church in Minnesota. They have a that has a student center, uh, at the University of uh, Minnesota. So maybe we could also have one in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah,
1: I I am now a uh officially recognized
2: religious advisor there at KU so oh that's cool there is that alright
0: so that I, what a surprise that uh, an
2: episode with Kilgo went long nobody would have seen that one coming <laughs> no that's everybody, what actually Berg
0: said this everybody
1: Berg, saw that coming
0: Berg, Berg said something because because uh, he knows you more than I do yes and he said something like oh you won't run out of content no no <laughs> <laughs> No. Well, thank you I,
2: for...
1: Uh, I set a timer for Bible study, and I always go over it, so...
0: It's only by, like, half an right. hour. It's fine. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we have to go. We're beating. We have people who'll be waiting for us at the Freak Factory. That's right. So, uh, I am Bullhagen. I'm Vicar. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Vicar. Vicar.
1: Vicker. He's getting excited. Priority...
3: I'm Bull Hagan. I'm Kilgo. And I'm Vicker. <laughs> and may your calves be thick.
0: Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast on Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.